All right. Well, welcome. It's good to see the room full. Welcome everybody that's watching online. We're so glad that you're there as well. Um, now, here's the deal. Last night, I mean, I was really funny. I was sharing some really brilliant stuff, and there just really wasn't a lot of feedback from the audience. And so if you don't feedback, it's going to go a lot longer. So the more excited, the more excited you, because I'll just assume they didn't get it yet, and I'll just have to keep talking. So two weeks ago, I write on this board up here, this little board that we're, so we don't forget things, and I said, pray and be funny, all right, which I nailed. And I come back, and Cord has it from last week, and it said, pray and be funnier than Joe. That's it. <laughs> doubtful, doubtful, but... So let's go to the Lord in prayer. I, listen, I just want to say this up front. I am so blessed. Uh, we are blessed as a church. Uh, Pastor Michael, Pastor David, Pastor Cord, Pastor Shane, Pastor Ben, some of the best communicators anywhere in the country. I love working with them. Um, I'm just blessed. And uh, they did a tremendous job starting this series last week on Hebrews. We're going to pick up in chapter 2 today, but we're going to start where God asks us to be and what angers Satan the most, and that's pray. So, Father, we come to you right now seeking your anointing, your blessing, laying down burdens. People in the room, people watching online, people who won't watch for two weeks yet, but they're anxiety-ridden, they're fear-ridden. You didn't give us a spirit of fear, you gave us a spirit of power. They're struggling with health, they're struggling with marriage, they're struggling with why do I go on? God, remind them that we are the hope dealers. That only the church of Jesus, only through Jesus' shed blood can anybody find hope. So, Lord, I pray that you would encourage, that you would build people up today. Let them know the importance of connecting, whether it's in person or on the phone, or but to stay connected to the body of Christ, the hope dealers of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in Hebrews uh, chapter 2. Um, we're out in Colorado last weekend. Luann and I got to get away uh, for a few days, went up to Rocky Mountain National Park, one of the most beautiful places in the world. Uh, we had a, just a tremendous time up there doing nothing, uh, looking at elk, looking at sheep, staring at water. It was, uh, it was very cool, still snow up there. Uh, but while I was out there, I had to have an emergency surgery. And not a big deal, it's, you know, it's okay. And I, I trusted the doctor, but I, I just didn't feel good about the anesthesiologist. I just had a, you know how sometimes you get a weird feeling? And um, anyway, I said, listen, I just don't feel good with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to handle this myself if that's okay. You know what he said? Knock yourself out. <clears throat> Thank you, it's good to be back. Um, See, I was just that funny last night, and it was... All right. Listen, we've all been in, in school where we were facing tests, whether it was grade school, middle school, high school, college. Um, but they used to say things like this. It's been a long time since most of you have heard these words. Eyes on your own paper. Look straight ahead. You know what? I'm not that old. When I was in school, there were some major problems. There were kids, and I was guilty occasionally, chewed gum during class. 
Anybody? Huh? I mean, you're, you're close to hell at that point, right? The really, really, really bad kids would smoke cigarettes in the bathroom. Now, you got kids cussing out the teachers. They're doing heroin deals in the middle of class. They're vaping under their seats. You're trying to get somebody to not get killed during the class. It is a very different world. Please pray. Pray for our schools. Pray for our teachers. Pray for our students. There is a tremendous need. But the one thing that is still true is there comes a time when you've got to take your own test. Yeah? You've got to take it. Now, see, in today's world, you get online and nobody knows who's taking the test. Anybody could be taking the test. But back in the day, there was a point where you had to sit, eyes down, and if you looked around, you might get a warning or the teacher might just come take your paper away. Eyes forward, eyes on your own paper. That's what Hebrews chapter 2 is about. Let me just summarize chapter 1, because I know uh, Pastor Cord, Michael, David all did great jobs uh, opening this series up. But the whole book is summarized in chapter 1, and it is about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is supreme. He's above all false gods. He's above all prophets. He's above all the angels. He's over everything that you've ever seen, thought about. Philippians 2 says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The whole book is that Jesus is supreme over all. So if you don't go any further, you've got the message. Jesus is the only answer. Now listen, I have, somebody asked last night why my wife would let this happen, but I have... Both a Target card and a Lowe's card. I'm somebody. But when I go to Lowe's and hand them my Target card, they won't take it. Well, that's because they're biased, right? I mean, that's because they, they, they're, they're really being narrow-minded. No, it's not their card. But yet when it comes to spiritual things, we're like... Well, how narrow is this Christianity thing that Jesus is the only way? Hey, look, everybody can go. Everybody can go to Lowe's. You just can't go to Lowe's and use your Target card. If you want to go to Lowe's, you use your Lowe's card. If you want to go to heaven, you use your Jesus card. All right? This isn't all that hard. It's not that anybody gets left out. You just don't get to decide which card gets you entrance. Well, let's read the text before I finish preaching. Stand up out of respect for God's Word. It's going to get rough today. I'm just telling you there's some stuff we have to deal with. So here we go. Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to look at four verses because we barely have time for that. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard. What have we heard? Jesus is supreme. He is supreme. He's the only way to heaven. He's supreme over the angels. He's supreme over all your false gods. He's supreme over all your human philosophies. Pay, pay most careful attention, therefore, to what you've heard so that you do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape? 
if we ignore so great a salvation. This salvation was first announced by the Lord Jesus, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. You can be seated. Now, you're going to have to read because I can't cover all the stuff that's in this. I can, like I said, barely get through four verses today. He says, we have to say, he, we don't know who wrote it. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. It's the only book in the Bible we really don't have a clue. But anyway, <clears throat> it's written to Jewish Christians. And after about 30 years, that most of these people are eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus or they know somebody that was an eyewitness. But even after 30 years, the church has started to drift away. They've started to listen to some of these false teachers and these people throwing out questions. And they, they begin to slow drift. And he says, pay attention. Pay more attention. Pay special attention. All of that is wrapped up in that word. Don't miss what is the most important part of the story. Pay attention that Jesus is supreme over all. Pay attention. You know, my wife says, I, I said this last night and she laughed. She goes, that's not a one-time event. It's every night. But, but last night we're sitting there and she says, <clears throat> she says, are you listening to me? And I said, that's a strange way to start a conversation. Women, am I right? Yes. Yeah, that happens nightly. That happens nightly in my house. She accuses me of not paying attention simply because I have the TV and my phone going at the same time. Just like that, she thinks I'm not listening to her. And then I quoted back and she said, it's not that I want you to quote back what I said. I'd actually like you to pay attention. Oh. Because God says if we don't pay attention, we will drift away. So the other night, I am laying in bed. My wife confirmed this story last night, too. This is how I, I study. It's weird. I know it. Um, but I, I will have the news on. I will be watching some, some video on my phone, and I'll be reading a book at the same time. And because I get bored easily. So I hear something on the news, and I'm like, he didn't say that. So I turned everything else off. Fortunately, my TV goes backwards. And I backed it up, and I listened to him say it again, and I'm like, I cannot believe he said that. So I waited because I thought, I know he said it, I heard it, but I'm going to wait and see what happens online tomorrow. Well, it took a couple of days for YouTube to wake up and tell the story about what Don Lemon said. Now, I've got the quote right here. Don Lemon from CNN, here's, here's what he said. <clears throat> Jesus Christ, if any of you believe in Jesus Christ, admittedly was not perfect. Wow. Now, he said it. It floated right by. Nobody said anything. Oh, my goodness. This just undercuts all of Christianity. Now, listen, it doesn't surprise me that Don Lemon said it. It surprises me that the church didn't react to that. Because Jesus admittedly said, I'm not perfect. And, and uh, pastors are coming out now and saying, you know, this is heresy. It undercuts the whole church. Well, let's just do it. But nobody's giving you the reasons. Let's go through the scripture. Okay? Blessed are the pure in heart because God's pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. You will see God. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. 
The I am statement from Exodus 3, when God said, my name is I am. I am the perfect one. I am the creator of all. I am the rescuer of all. And then Jesus said, John 14, I am the way. John 15, I am the resurrection. John 10, I am the bread. John 8, 58, I am. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but he, we have one who was tempted in every way as we are, yet he did not sin. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure. Set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Huh. Now, if Jesus was not perfect, you and I are all still in our sins. Because it took a perfect, sinless Lamb of God to take away our sins. But this is how Satan works. And I'm not accusing Don Lemon of being Satan. I am accusing him of speaking for him. You can watch it online. You don't have to believe me. Look it up. It ought to scare Christians to death because it was just said in passing. It was meant to just plant a seed of doubt. Jesus admittedly said he wasn't perfect. No, he did not. He came proving that he was perfect. Don, you got any other stories of people raising from the dead? But that's the world we live in. Maybe Don needs to stay in his lane and not in mine. But this is how doubt gets sowed into the hearts of people. And the warning is that we have to be careful because we will drift away. Now, you say, ah, oh, come on. All right. Is there anybody here that doesn't know somebody that used to be sold out to Jesus that's drifted away? In fact, is there anybody sitting here that hasn't drifted away? And you had to start the motor up and get yourself back in the slip and reset the anchor. Every single one of us has been there. You know why? Because for whatever amount of time, a day, a week, a month, ten years, we stop paying attention. We stop paying attention to the Word of God, the authority of God. Psalm 11 verse 4, the Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord is on His heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. See, we have this idea, and, and, and he, Jesus does love you. He does love me. But this is the mistake that we make so often. All right, Jesus did not come to indulge your sin. He came to transform you. He loves you. Oh, great, so I can just keep on doing what I'm doing. No. He came to transform you. That means to move you from a worm to a butterfly. That's transformation. It's the word metamorphosis. He came to transform us. Not to say, hey, I'm glad you're here. Do a religious show and you can keep living however you want. Absolutely not. So you got to pay attention or you'll drift away. And based on the numbers I threw at you two weeks ago, 72% of American churches have already drifted away. 
Forget the Christian population. 72% of the churches have drifted away because they no longer believe the Word of God is the authority. They don't believe in creation. They don't believe... I mean, when I listen to pastors say, well, I'm not sure Jesus was a real person. Well, then you need to get out of the business, dude. Because you've missed the whole point of the faith. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, our life is a waste. If he did raise from the dead, everybody else was in big trouble. So he says, pay attention, because there will be a test. Now, this is the interesting part of the verse. And honestly, I did not understand it. I've read this a lot of times. He said, if the law given by angels was binding. See that? Where am I at? Verse 2, verse 3, verse 2. If the law given by angels was binding and people were held accountable and brought to justice through the angels' words, how much more so when you've got the direct message and the life of the Son of God bringing you a salvation? What's this angel thing? What's he talking about? Well, I had to go find out, so I did the work for you. It's mentioned in Galatians. It's also mentioned twice in the book of Acts. And then I went back historically, and the Jewish people have always believed that on Mount Sinai, God did not give the laws to Moses directly. God gave the laws to the angels, and the angels delivered those laws to Moses. God was present, but the angels actually gave him the laws. Well, in the Acts 7 and in Galatians, that's exactly what it says. It says the angels delivered the law of God to mankind. And he says if those laws that just were given through an angel, if those are something, because we already learned in chapter 1, Jesus trumps all of that. He is supreme over all the angels. How much more trouble are you and I in if we ignore such a great, that word is great, great, wonderful, huge, only, how will we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? My friends, there will be a test. Eyes on your own paper, straight ahead. There will be a test. But here's the deal. You ready for this? It's a one-question test and it's pass-fail. See, I always like those classes when they'd say, well, you get 1% for this little paper and you get 10% for your test and you get 5% for this. Because basically you could be a screwball most of the semester and if you nailed the 15-page paper or whatever, you're still golden, right? You get your B- minus and you, and you get out of the class and you're just happy to be there. Well, this is, this is pass-fail. Is Jesus the Savior of your life? If you've not accepted Jesus, before we get done, folks will be down front for you to accept Jesus, teach you about repentance, teach you about baptism, teach you about following Jesus. If you're watching online, there's a button you push. I have decided. You, today is that day where you make that decision that I want to be saved. There will be a test. Now, there were always people, and you know what? In high school, I get it. In undergrad, I got it. But it really started to bug me by grad school. You're sitting in grad school. If you're in grad school, you're there because you want to be, okay? You went to high school because mom made you. She threatened you with your life. Uh, if, even college, maybe. But by the time you get to grad school, you're there because you actually want to learn something, all right? It took, what, 18 years of education to get, to get us to grad school. But, okay. 
And there's always one person in class, and if you're that person, do not tell me. But there was always that one person. Is this going to be on the test? Are you here to pass the test? Are you here to learn something? And it seems to me that there's way too many Christians just trying to pass a test. I want just enough of God to get me by instead of saying, No, I want to pass this test with flying colors, so I'm going to learn. I had a professor in grad school. He talked at such a level, nobody understood it. I'm not sure he understood himself. But I had an old buddy beside me. He said, Listen, you'll pass the class. Absorb the man. Absorb the man. Isn't that what we're supposed to do with Jesus? I'm supposed to become like him. How I, how I live, how I act, how I talk, how I behave. That transformational process that takes place. James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. See, we live in, a, in an age, again, let's just be real, we give everybody participation trophies. Everybody. Everybody, all dogs go to heaven, everybody graduates, just come on, let's move along. And we have the mess we have today. James says, no, you get stronger through what? Through the test. Through the test. So we need to pay attention. There will be a test. And there's only one way to escape. I don't know if you experienced this. I know this body doesn't look like it now. But when I was in high school, I, I did a lot of caving, a lot of spelunking. And not like you guys. You spend the 20 bucks and you go through a show cave. We would find out that some farmer had a cave on his property. We'd never tell anybody. This is before cell phones and everything else. And we'd just drive out into the woods, find this cave, and we'd get down in it. And in high school, they made us climb this rope. You know, you had to pass the physical fitness test, all right, if you could climb that rope, God bless you. I never got more than two hands up. I know you look at this body and you're saying, how, he must have been like a, like a, like a life lion. No. Um, I could not get up that rope. It didn't matter. Just give me an F because I'm not getting up the rope. I'll have to make it up on pull-ups or something else. But I was in a cave one day and you go into the cave, and the first thing it did, it dropped off about 25 feet. We tied off a rope, went down the rope. Anybody know it's easy to go down a rope? But now we're down inside this cave. We're down there for a couple hours. And we come up. We get back to that, to that big chamber. And there's only one way out. You know what I did? I learned how to climb a rope that day. I had no choice. Nobody to call. There was nobody to help me. I had to climb the rope. And with Jesus, there's only one way. Again, you can yell all you want. You can yell all you want. Target, you should take my Lowe's card. Lowe's, you should take my Target card. Go right ahead. But when it's all said and done, you're only going to be in a YouTube video, and they're not going to take that card. Because that card doesn't work at that store. And if you want to get into eternity... You've got to know the guy who created eternity, the one who died for you. You've got to know there will be a test, and he is the only way out. Acts 4.12 says there's no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved other than the name of John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. 
See, you don't get to choose the card. Everybody's welcome. Jesus died for everyone. Don't miss that. But it is not a bigoted statement to say that Jesus is the only way. If he's the only way. Jesus also said in Matthew 5, he said, Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Small is the road that leads to life and few find it. Because they're spending their time arguing about wanting their target card to work at Lowe's. Rather than just say, you know what, I need to do what God wants me to do. I want to finish with this. We're going to go to the book of Daniel. This is, a, this is Judgment Day. And Daniel, Daniel is sitting in Persia, modern day Iran. And he says, as I looked, he's looking at judgment. He said, thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days. That's Daniel's name for God. I love that. The Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair on his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire. His wheels were ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. If you read the whole chapter, one of two things is going to happen. They will call your name... And the books will be taken off the shelf. And your life story will be read publicly. Anybody want that? Or Jesus will step up and say, those books have been sealed. Father, if you will check the book of life, you'll see that I've already paid for those books. And there's another book. And that's the one that you want to be in. But it seems to me, that the church has become so, I don't know what the word is, nervous, anxiety-ridden, fearful. Listen, we're only facing what the rest of Christianity has been facing for 2,000 years. It is high time we toughen up. Admiral John Paul Jones, first admiral of the Navy. All right? If you remember that the great quote, I've only begun to fight, it's a great quote, isn't it? But when you put it in context, the British have blown his ship to pieces... His ship is sinking in the middle of the ocean. And they're saying, you need to surrender now. You're all going to die. He said, I haven't even begun to fight. He didn't say it before things started. He didn't say it as they were going into war. He's already been destroyed. And he said, oh, I've just started to fight. But here's a lesser known quote. He told Congress, he said, I'll be the admiral of your new navy. But he said, on one condition. You only give me fast ships because I will always keep myself in harm's way because I'm going to protect this country. It seems to me that as Christians, we've gotten to the point where we just want to be safe. Church was never meant to be safe. As Christians, we just want to be safe. We were never meant to be safe. We're the hope dealers of the world. If we hide and say, hey, I'm going to heaven, the rest of you can go to hell. Never in the history of America have the people living in darkness needed the light of Jesus Christ more than now. And you and I are the hope dealers. All right? So what are we going to do? If you've not accepted Jesus, like I said, our folks will be down front. But inside of you, ask yourself, Am I just playing it safe or am I really going to take this test seriously and am I going to make a difference for the kingdom? Father, I pray that you would speak to everybody here. 
Lord, you and you alone can bring this home. Your Holy Spirit is the only one that can make your word speak in hearts. To break down barriers. People maybe that before today never thought they would even consider Jesus. And right now they're teetering. Is this Jesus guy real? Was he really perfect? Was he God? Did he die for me? Did he really raise from the dead? Lord, make it clear to people. Watching at home, watching online, watching in a group meeting somewhere, sitting here today. Make it clear. In Jesus' name.